Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. This is one of the big chapters of the Bible, looking at Exodus 20 today, the Ten Commandments. Uh, the, the thing I always tell people, though, when you're reading this, right, are there ten and are they commandments? <laughs> uh, when you actually go and you, you look at them here, uh, th those are kind of some big questions, actually, that come right out. Also, um, who's speaking them? Uh, that, that seems a little bit obvious from verse 1, but maybe not so much. So it's, it's one of these paradoxical chapters, again, where actually it seems so familiar. And yet, um, do we really know kind of how this works? And do we really know what the meaning here is? Um, are, are these a bunch of rules here, right? And at the end here, uh, laws about altars, are these a bunch of uh, you know, burdensome regulations or is something else going on? Well, if you've been listening along the last couple of times, uh, I think you know where I lean on that. But we're joined today by our guest, Pastor Curtis Dieterding, pastor at Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back with us. And uh, hey, look, you got Exodus 20 here. That's a pretty, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one today. Well, I am too. I, uh, and pressure's on because this is a good <laughs> one. This is the, this, this we could probably have had a number of Bible studies on this without any problem. In fact, oh, yeah. I usually have, I usually have uh, like two or three classes just on these. Yeah, cer certainly. I think that uh, when when you go through the Ten Commandments, say like in catechism, right? I mean, yeah, you you can just spend like you know a, a week or even more just going down one by one, uh, just unpacking these. You know, I mean, some of these in the Hebrew are just, um, I mean, like like two words, but I mean, there, there's so much uh, depth and uh, just there's so many places to go. Of course, uh, but before we you know get to that, really, it is essential to do what we're doing today. We're Hey, we're just reading through Exodus and read the chapter. Um, make sure that we understand what, what the words on the page mean <laughs> before we go and try to, you know, unpack them and get that kind of theological application that we that, that we try to do um, as pastors and as Christians in general. Uh, but so before we uh, start going into the details, uh, we'll go ahead and open up with a, a short prayer, and then we'll just go ahead and read through this chapter. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, bless us and all who are listening today that you would illumine your words so that we would understand it rightly, that we would uh, be able to have open minds so that we could hear what you're saying um, and not merely what we're projecting. May these Ten Commandments be for us not uh, rules or not something that we uh, put up on the wall as, as a decoration. May, may they be more than that to us. Uh, may they be a revelation that points the way to your Son, Jesus Christ, and shows us how much you have done for us and the kind of rest that you give us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So uh, looking here at Exodus chapter 20. Let's take it from the top, uh, just keeping a couple things in mind before we go ahead and read it here. Um, you know, an, an interesting thing in chapter 19, we remember that there's been this back and forth between uh, Moses and the, the and uh, I guess Mo Moses really is, is the go-between between God and the people. And so God has a message, uh, Moses, he takes it to the people, uh, the people have a response, he sends that back 
to to God. And so God's uh, just been sending Moses just up and down this mountain back and forth. And so it seems that at the end of chapter 19, after kind of like all this preparation and Moses interceding uh, up and down, up and down here, it seems here uh, that he's he's going down again. This is this is the question, actually, in verse 24. Uh, and the Lord said to him, go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. So so then then this is kind of the question then. Um, so is Moses down there with the people or is he back up on the mountain? Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this, but just kind of bear that in mind here as we read this and kind of just kind of think about that and kind of try to try, to, you know, just orient ourselves here as we read. So uh, without any further ado, let's see, we'll go ahead and read through this here and then we'll uh, we'll talk about uh, kind of some of the, the big picture stuff. So here it is, Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, bow down to them or to serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days... The Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off, while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the people of Israel, You have seen for yourselves that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make gods of silver to be with me, nor shall you make for yourself gods of gold. An altar of earth you shall make for me, and sacrifice it your burnt and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build of it, build it of hewn stones. For if you wield your tool on it, you profane it. And you shall not go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness be not exposed on it. 
All right. So I, I know just like you were saying, brother, I mean, <laughs> just so much here, like you, you wish you could spend like a, a whole week just like, you know, doing an hour every day uh, to talk about this at, at least. But uh, the nice thing about looking at kind of the whole big picture here, uh, it, it really is interesting how, I mean, these, these Ten Commandments, they're so situated in uh, in, in the midst of the story, you know, I mean, we, we saw how last time they had the day of preparation to get ready to receive this. Um, and here all this all this, uh, you know, fire and smoke and and all this comes uh, at daybreak on the third day. You get these 10 words that the people they're <laughs> they feel like running away in the midst of all this. Uh, but but they managed to, you know, hold their ground. Uh, and then you get this clarification here about altars. Um, it's, it's, I guess, putting it all together, it's striking to me how this, this uh, revelation of the Ten Commandments, as, as we call them, seems to be just immediately what the people need to hear. I mean, this is, this is like they just got out of Egypt just a couple months ago. Uh, they've been surrounded by polytheists left and right. Um, this stuff about, you know, here are these big ten and then how they're going to worship God very differently from any other God, the way that they're worshiped. This is exactly what the people need to hear right now. Uh, what, what stands out to you reading it like this? Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I mean, it, I mean, this is very experiential too for the people. When you look at uh, what they've gone through um, and now they get to this, you know, to Mount Sinai and here they, they encounter uh, God in a very uh, supernatural way in this thick cloud and uh, you, you can you, you can hear the words you know that their responses that they're trembling you know that uh, that they they're even in in the text today you know don't let god talk to us because we'll die um you know there right. you can definitely see you can definitely see uh there is uh a relationship between god and the people here um that they are definitely in in fear in, in fear of the fact that uh, you know, he could he could squash them like a bug at any mo at any moment, and now he's giving them, you know, commands that this is how our relationship is going to be. Uh, if you want to experience blessing, this is what this is what uh, our relationship is going to look like. And I'm just you know I'm looking at this whole thing going, uh, you know, you were you were talking about originally, um, you know, is it really God speaking here, or, or did Moses just bring a word down from the mountain because you know God uh, yeah, spoke yeah. and kill him? So, uh, you know, there's the very beginning. Um, I don't think I answered your question because I was already thinking about, you know, just trying to, to, to get my, my mind wrapped around uh, what this experience must have been like uh, for the people who originally received this, this, these words from God. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's difficult to, to put ourselves in their shoes. I mean, it was... Uh, this is a very unique experience, um, though, as we as we saw last time, like this whole experience in in some ways is, is I mean, as is, is kind of otherworldly as this might seem. Um, there are some striking parallels. We talked about this last time with our guest on Exodus chapter 19, how there's a lot of parallels between what the people have going on here and what we have going on in the divine service. Um, the idea of, of God coming to us, revealing to him, revealing himself to us, us preparing ourselves, um, you know, holiness, things like that. So it, it's not actually um, uh, un unrelatable, even if it is truly a little bit otherworldly. Um, but, but, you know, 
I, well, I guess in a second here, we'll, we'll talk about the beginning, the intro part, because I, I do want to spend a little bit of time about trying to put these pieces together. But but maybe just briefly, um, what, what do you make kind of reading it this way? And, and you've got your Ten Commandments, and then, uh, you know, Moses goes near, and then you, you immediately get this uh, stuff about laws about altars. You know, because I, I guess... I, I guess for us, you know, we think, okay, he gets the Ten Commandments, like, solid. They, they know what to do now. <laughs> but, but he doesn't sure. stop there. God keeps talking. So well, why, do you, why do you suppose this is what immediately follows here in Chapter 20? Well, I, I, you know, we're already getting a, we're already getting a picture of, of the sacrifices that are going to be made on this altar. And, of course, we know that the ultimate sacrifice uh, will be the sacrifice his son on the altar of the cross um, to to actually you know bring us freedom um, from ourselves because we can't we can't free ourselves from our sinful nature and so uh, you know this law of God and that's why I was talking about the experience too right. that uh, you know you know as we teach law and gospel in the Lutheran Church. Uh, the law uh, is based on this; these words that God has given us, and the law never, uh, never saves us. It doesn't. It, there's no way we could ever follow it in such a way that we can earn our salvation. Um, but what it does do is it shows us uh, that we are sinful people, and that we are going to die as a result of that sin. And that word of wrath from God. Uh, will remain unless we are saved from that through a sacrifice. And so I believe that, you know, that the uh, the altar is already pointing us to um, the sacrifice that Christ is going to make one day for us uh, because we can't, we can't, uh, we can't save ourselves from God's wrath. Yeah, that, that's really interesting because he does, um, you know, explicitly talk about wrath, right, in, in the middle of the commandments, right? And what we'll to talk right. about how it's interesting how some commandments, it's just, you know, there it is, there's, there's the words, moving on to the next one. But some seem to get these elaborations, and you, you got that when it comes to you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Um, there's a lot of elaboration there, and it, and it concludes with um, – I mean, it's the part that we, in our teaching tradition, uh, you know, which emphasizes law and gospel, in our teaching tradition, it's uh, in the small catechism, Luther says, what does God say about all these commandments, right? And, and that's the right. bit that we that we uh, have there in the small catechism, kind of like as a uh, conclusion almost. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So you, you got that, the word of, you know, uh, of promise and grace, but also that word of, of wrath and uh, right. You know, it's uh, we're, we're going to need altars. We're going to need offerings. We're going to need atonement. We're going to. Uh, so, yeah, I, th I think that that, that is well said. Um, I also think that this is a really necessary. Um, I mean, interestingly enough to, to that same commandment, a very necessary clarification to that commandment on graven images. So, and then I think yeah. that in the very next section in, in chapter 21, we're getting uh, kind of clarifications on, you know, honor your father and mother and, um, you know, you, you, uh, you shall not murder. So, I mean, we're going to, you get like these clarifications seemingly on the commandments themselves. And so it, it seems like 
uh, you know, this is like pretty near the beginning of the commandments, the stuff about altars and worship. So I, I think for what you just mentioned, and this too, there's, there's lots of reasons why it, it makes sense to get these clarifications, because as we're going to see, um, the people need some clarifications, <laughs> because uh, yeah. the Ten Commandments are not going to so. be interpreted the right way on the first go-round. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, the, the, this, there's, there's a huge learning curve that's going to be here uh, with the people. Right. Uh, like I said, I, you know, I, I keep, you know, when I went back again this time, I was reading through all that, the chapters around it. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of fear here. I mean, I, I can't see how you could not uh, have be full of fear, especially as they're talking about how the people trembled. Even the mountain itself trembled, you know, as God is preparing himself people with these Ten Commandments. And um, I'm, I'm of the mindset that these commandments were definitely spoken to the people by God, um, you know, directly to the people, uh, rather than brought down the mountain. And then, and then Moses gave them these commandments, you know, saying, you know, just speaking them there. I think that they, they were truly in the, in the hearing uh, of these commandments, however that, however that took place. But, um, but, you know, that is what the law does. It always crushes us. It always condemns us. It always kills us. I mean, I was like, it's all here. <laughs> it's like right. you can really, yep. that is the sense of the law and how it works in our lives. Nobody likes the law either. You know, we, we, we want to be a law unto ourselves. And so and so every time we hear the law, it grinds against our, our, our sinful spirit and our sinful nature because uh, we want to be our own God. We want to rule our own lives. It's all there. Um, and I and I, I believe that God is really making a massive point by what He's doing as He's coming to His people with this. This is the relationship. This is what it's going to be built on right here. If, if there's to be blessing in our relationship between us, this is what that needs to happen in your lives. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this really is so much about relationship and um well i mean isn't that exactly what the very first thing out of god's mouth is and, and that we'll want to talk about this um you know there it is in verse two i am the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the house of slavery i mean it's it, it's very much about relationship and uh, this this act of god in his gracious relationship towards us i mean is is what makes all these commandments even a, a possibility is what makes them uh, make any sense. Um, so I, I think that's a really a good way of talking about how this is framed. That at the beginning, we have a, it's, it's talking about relationship, you know, I am the Lord, your God. Um, at the end, you know, we're talking about laws about altars. I mean, that's uh, again, talking about relationship uh, in terms of, you know, relationship being damaged, relationship being repaired, restored. So, yeah, I think, I think relationship, very, very key idea. Uh, and, I, and I think it lends itself then kind of to this uh, this question that we should just go ahead and uh, address directly here, because in the context of this relationship with the people, um, there 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 isn't immediacy um, necessarily. There's there's rather um, mediation. You know, there there's this there's this unique relationship that God has with Moses, where He speaks to him face to face. But Moses then is is the go-between, and we and we were looking at that in chapter 19. You know that Moses is going back and forth, up and down, up and down. <laughs> so, right. so then, so here's then the question. Then uh, we we start off in chapter 20, and God spoke all these words, saying, "Okay, so right. 
clearly, uh, God speaks these. Uh, the, the question then is, when he speaks these, is this something that Moses only, Moses alone, understands? Uh, maybe the people hear something, but not necessarily enough to make out the words. Um, or is this something that all the people understand directly? And, and I think it's actually a pretty big question because it, it shapes how we understand the relationship idea. Um, and it also uh, is going to shape how we understand the story that continues, particularly in chapter 32, uh, when Moses comes down the mountain <laughs> with the tablets of stone right. and things are not looking so good. I mean, like, I mean, really um, understanding here, like how this speech of God works is I think pretty key to understanding um, like how, how to kind of piece all of this together. So, so I'll, I'll just put it out there for you. The, uh, the, the thing that the commentaries will uh, point out is that verse 25 is uh, it's, it's a little bit interesting because it, it ends like, it's translated in our ESV here as, so Moses went down to the people and told them, right? Um, but that is maybe a little bit of a harmonization or, uh, well, not necessarily harmonization, but like a an, an attempt to, to kind of like smooth things out because the word there is the typical word for say. Like, so it's, you know, and Moses came down the mountain and said to them, so... I mean, if you, if you interpret it that way, which I think is probably the usual way that the word's used in Hebrew, uh, you got to put quote marks around everything here in the Ten Commandments. So, I don't know. Uh, that, that's at least what, what, what some commentaries say here. So, what, what, what do you what do you make of this? You know, is it is it? You know, th this is like what God is kind of thundering, uh, and the and the people hear the thunder, but only Moses understands it. Or does, does everyone understand it immediately, the voice of God? Like, uh, how do you link these two chapters together, especially with these first couple of verses? Yeah, as far as the understanding part, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure on what, where you're leading with that. But as far as the word of God, I don't care if it came out of Moses' mouth or if they heard it from God himself. Uh, what we do know is that it is the word of God. It is the very word of God that was brought to the people, whether, like I said, either through the vocal cords of, of Moses or actually through the voice of God to the people. Um, I think as you look at this, uh, there's nothing yeah. complicated about the Ten Commandments. It's kept very simple, right to the point. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I don't think that it's uh, something that they couldn't understand. I think they understood this very well. <laughs> uh, if, yeah. if they weren't trembling so bad. <laughs> because of the fear that they had, and actually if they actually were hearing what that word was saying to them. Um, but, you know, you pointed out just a little bit ago, uh, verse 2, you know, that's one of just a couple of verses of gospel kind of words here. I mean, that is the whole goal of God is to deliver his people, not just from Egypt as we know, but just to deliver us um, from uh, from sin, from death, and the, and the devil, the, the greater enemies that we have in our lives. And so right. uh, you can see how that weaves through, and then you can see how uh, the, the God's purpose of, you know, of having his people uh, in a relationship with him, it goes back to his original promise that I want 
to be your God, and I want you to be my people. And then that and that that weaves itself all the way into Revelation, where that promise is fulfilled fully, and you can see it. And so, this you know, when you're talking about relational, I mean, this is it. This is where God says, you know, if if you follow these commands, you are going, uh, you are you are following my will, because this actually is an expression of everything that God wills for us to do. And of course, if we were to actually follow this very perfectly. Uh, we would expect, you know, experience blessing upon blessing in this world. That's for sure. Uh, cer- certainly, Amen. Uh, well, it's time for our break already, but everybody, hang on. We've got a lot of a mo- lot more stuff here to look at. Nexus chapter twenty on Thy Strong Word. Be right back. Hi, this is Todd Wilkin, inviting you to join us for Issues Etc. weekday afternoons from 3 to 5. Issues Etc. is a live call-in show with a two-fold purpose. We defend and teach the truths rediscovered during the Reformation, grace, faith, scripture, and Christ alone, and we challenge today's postmodern culture with its unbiblical ideology. Issues Etc. live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. You might have experienced this past week that there is a difference between taking a holiday and finding rest for your soul, though sometimes the two wonderfully happen together. On the next Sing for Joy, you'll hear music inspired by more than just a holiday. It will offer rest for the soul. Sundays at noon on KFUO, the messenger of good news. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa looking at Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, or is that really what we should be calling them? Uh, one of the questions that we're looking at today, joined today by our guest, Pastor Curtis Dieterding, Pastor uh, Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. If you've got a question for us and you're listening live, it's an opportunity for you to join the conversation, 1-800-730-2727. Also, if you're in St. Louis, you can call 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. So I'll 
and before I neglect, also uh, shout out to our underwriters, the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for supporting Thy Strong Word. Their website for all you check out, lhfmissions.org. Especially check out that news section. They've always got some interesting stories about the stuff they're up to all around the world. Uh, some really good work there, uh, especially as we talk about, you know, uh, again and again, uh, some of these difficulties of how to just translation, uh, translate and interpret some of these things. Uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, thank God it's at least in our own language here uh, for starters. But so, <clears throat> yeah, going, going back, brother, then to uh, what you were what you were just saying. Yeah. You know, so clearly um, yeah, we know that here, here is this this mediation of a relationship. You know, God here is, is speaking uh, in grace. Um, and yet, right, like uh, it says there in verse 18, and people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, right? They're afraid and trembling. So uh, they're definitely full of fear, um, you know, that they get they get these words and it's like, oh, man, <laughs> uh, we don't want to get any closer than this. Um, uh, that, that, that was actually like a little bit of a thing. Uh, last time that it, we were kind of seeing how uh, different translations kind of make this a little bit difficult. Like, are the people supposed to go up to the mountain? Uh, are they not? So let me kind of just set the stage this way. You know, ver, ver, uh, chapter 19 says, okay, uh, get all the people of Israel ready, consecrate them. There's going to be a day of preparation. While you're getting prepared, no one come near the mountain. Um, and the NIV actually kind of helps us out uh, translating this a little bit more clearly. Uh, but, you know, no one get no one come near the mountain. Only when you hear the trumpet, then you can come near the mountain. OK, so uh, the trumpet sounds then on the third day at daybreak. Um, the people, they go up to near the approach uh, the mountain. Um, but right uh, then we, we get this a little bit uh, more clearly here at the end of uh, chapter 19. We saw where, where God says to Moses, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look and many of them perish. So uh, there we, we, we kind of see that with like the uh, talking about, you know, God descending. So God's up there on, on the top of the mountain and, and Moses is, is up there with them. And so then he's he's coming back down to to talk to the people so we have this this balance of the the people no they don't go up onto the mountain they're going to die if they do um but sure. however moses is up there so that that kind of sets the stage even just kind of visually um as we're looking at this then today where we have more of this you know uh mediation especially here where the people are saying okay yeah you talk to us but don't let God talk to us. We're, this is as close as we want to get. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, if you keep talking about Moses as the mediator, the one between the people and God, and, and of course, uh, as we look at the bigger picture of our salvation, we see that Moses um, actually is, is a type of Christ for the people here. He's the one, um, you know, who who hears and, and communicates with God and brings what God uh, uh, wants his people to know and to hear. And, of course, in this case, uh, the, the great Ten Commandments. And, uh, you know, Jesus becomes a greater mediator in the sense that, um, you know, he doesn't uh, build the altars and, and, and provide the sacrifices there, but he does provide the sacrifice of himself on that altar. And, and, and so when he mediates between the people and God, um, it's a once and for all 
uh, uh, act that he does uh, so that uh, we can be saved from the fact that we aren't able to keep any of this law and uh, that we rightly tremble uh, in you know before God because we are guilty and we are guilty of breaking all of this law and uh, know what that means when it comes to his wrath and so you know with uh, the thought of Moses as mediator um, it is a good picture of of what the future is going to hold for God's people uh, a- amen I think that uh that that really sets it up, and, and you see it even in the text of the Ten Commandments. I mean, the the mediation and the word that's being revealed, um, even though you know, as Luther uses this, right? Because L- Luther takes uh, this, you know, text from Exodus twenty. You know, it's in the small catechism, and it's presented um, there in the very beginning. This is the the first thing. Um, yet, what's interesting about the way that that Luther treats it. Um, you know, he does not include the very first thing that God actually says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Um, and, and you might think to yourself, well, that, uh, that seems weird. That seems like a pretty important part of the <laughs> of what's being revealed here. Why isn't it put there? Um, and, and, I, and I think it's because uh, of kind of getting into what you're getting at. Uh, the, these 10 these ten words, as, as they're going to be called later, are presented here in terms of this this relationship and this mediation between God and this particular people of Israel, right? Um, you know, who who right. took these people out of Egypt, you know, because they were slaves there under Pharaoh. Um, and, and what we're going to see, as you were saying, is that th- this kind of uh, this kind of language and this kind of revelation of God is going to kind of give way in a certain sense to what the Lord Jesus says, because then when the Lord Jesus comes onto the scene, it's not about, you know, hey, well, I rescued you guys over here from this place over there. It's no, I I have rescued all of humanity from the universal enemies of sin, death, and the devil, right? So we we go from this kind of really local mediation where, I mean, mean, literally, right? Because Moses is mediating on a mountain (laughs) to Jesus mediating in heaven, is a description uh, of Revelation in Hebrews, right? So we we go from small time local mediation, uh, you know, between God and uh, a few, uh, to the the universal mediation of God the Son, who mediates between God and all of humanity, uh, all times and all places. Right. Yeah, that's that's what I'm uh, that's what I'm talking about. It, it, it's a picture. It's just a snapshot yeah. of what's to come. Right. Oh, I was going to say, so, so I think then that's, that's why then Luther, um, you know, starts with, um, you know, you shall have no other gods before me, uh, because, you know, he's trying to take the 10 commandments and, and kind of treat them in a way that shows, uh, maybe, uh, put it this way, he's, he's kind of using the 10 commandments to show how they foreshadow that kind of universal, the more universal ideas that will uh, be coming more clear in the future, that that there is a way in which, yes, you know, you read this stuff and it's talking about, you know, um, you know, Egypt, um, you know, the, the slavery situation there. Right. Um, you know, I mean, at the end, it's going to be talking about, you know, oxes or, you know, oxen, donkeys. Right. Stuff that, you know, seems like 
not super applicable to us. But the way that Luther takes it all is is a is a universal summary of of what he calls you know natural law. So in, in that way, when we have our Ten Commandments, it's kind of a very particular application of this, right? Trying to see how it kind of summarizes um, the law idea, and so it's not that. Luther says that the you know first uh, you know thing out of God's mouth here, which is as you were saying, a word of gospel. It's not like he's saying that's unimportant. <laughs> it's not like we're skipping, right? You know, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It's just that uh, when you're when you're trying to use this chapter as a as a universal law uh, summary, right? Well, th that's not the po the part you're going to focus on when you're using it that way. Right. Yeah, I, you know, I'm also looking at at uh, the words that are written here too in, in chapter 20, and it's very interesting that I believe that um, as you look at all of the words together, um, and especially some of the words that we don't always include in all of you know our our commandments uh, for this, at least in the right. small catechism, um, you look at these words and you. You can almost see that you know God is showing His people. By the way, here's here's why you should want to keep these commandments. <laughs> okay, right. I think yeah. he, I think He's stating His case. By the way, I'm the God who actually created you. You know, I'm, I created all things. <laughs> uh, that mm -hmm. that should be good enough reason right there. I I delivered you out of the land of Egypt. Um, I am. Uh, a God that shows steadfast love. I mean, you know, so there's bits and pieces all the way woven through this, these Ten Commandments that yep. that is saying to us, you should fear and love God for all that He has done for us, for all that He has given to us. You know, and uh, and, and I, it, I I see words here that are trying to continually put that in front of the people that you know this is the reason I want you to do these things. Because of all that I've done for you, right? You no, know, that, that's well said. That I mean, so I mean, yeah. On the one hand, there there is, you know, I mean, most of the things that God says are, you know, these imperatives or uh, you know these prohibitives, right? Like, you know, you're forbidden to do this. You have to do that. Right. Um, but that's that's only that's only part of it, and yet yeah, it's, it's a big part of it. But as you were saying, like this this idea of God's blessing and His salvation and His love and His mercy is is woven all throughout this. So, in that sense, um, this is interesting. Then, because yeah, is it is are these the Ten Commandments? Well, yeah, they're the Ten Commandments, but they're they're also more than that, which is kind of interesting. Then, uh, because it's. Uh, I'm trying to think where it is in, um, in Exodus here. It comes up in, uh, yeah, it's it's in Exodus 34, which we're going to need to make some comparisons to, um, that you actually get these things referred to. And, and there in our ESV in Exodus 34, verse 28, it says the Ten Commandments, but it includes in the footnote, it's a very helpful footnote, that the Hebrew says the Ten Words. Um, yeah, and, that, and that's that's pretty interesting. There, there's there's a word that we're comfortable with as Lutherans. Word <laughs> um, that that it's something like ten statements or something like that, um, which which we kind of like uh, actually. Like I was saying, as Lutherans, because we know that you know words of God can be either law or gospel. You can speak a word of law. He speaks a word of gospel. Usually, when he speaks one or the other, the other is not going to be too far away. 
And so, yeah, you've got these 10 words and it does seem like uh, many of them are, are law, right? You know, like you shall not commit adultery. That sounds pretty clearly just like, okay, that's just law, right? But uh, at the very beginning, like you were saying, it, it really is a word of gospel. So on the one hand, yeah, it's the 10 commandments, but on the other hand, it's, it's really the, the 10 words of both law and gospel, which, which is a, I mean, that, that really kind of changes the way that we, we look at this here in Exodus 20. Right. And, and um, you know, that's really interesting that you say that, because I was just uh, also thinking in, in verse 20, uh, I, I found that kind of um, interesting that, that Moses, whenever he speaks to the people, because, you know, they were, they were saying, you know, you speak to us, we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. But Moses right. responds there. He says, do not fear. First three words out of his mouth, do not fear. And then yeah. he goes on to talk about another kind of fear when it says, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. And I, I <laughs> yeah. looked down just out of curiosity at the footnote, and what you just said about law and gospel there, I thought this is very interesting. Because under the footnote there in 2020, it says their fear, and they got fear in quotations, their fear included saving faith and the yeah. personal awesome experience at Sinai. Motivation for keeping the law included not only respect for God as one who punishes sin, but also simple trust in him which leads to joyful obedience. I thought that's, a, that's interesting. Um, that's an interesting way to yeah. put it. Uh, yeah. No, th thanks for mentioning that. That's uh, I hadn't I hadn't really kind of appreciated that the last time I read this. But, it, it, I mean, yeah, this is actually a really good demonstration <laughs> of the, the, the different senses of the word fear in Hebrew, right? He's like, don't right. don't fear. You're going to have fear, <laughs> right? It's sort of like, hang on, what? Are we supposed to be afraid? Are we not supposed to be afraid, Moses? Um, but, but right. And then in the first case, when he says, don't, don't, don't fear, right? He's like, you know, don't, don't be afraid. Don't, you know, cower. Don't, don't run away, <laughs> right? Um, and, and then when he says, you know, that the fear of him may come before you, I mean, uh, that, that's exactly right. And um, in the in the Old Testament, the way they talk about faith is is with the word fear, the idea of right. um, really kind of fear towards uh, the the reverence uh, end of the of the spectrum, um, so which which includes right um, trust. I mean, I mean, in right. the same way that you right. trust someone uh, or something that's really powerful that uh, you you know if you mess with it, you're you're gonna get hurt but but it's actually be in that power that you recognize and uh are afraid of on one level that you also feel safe and can can trust you know so you think of like you know uh you know a child trusting their their parents and you're like oh well you know mommy and daddy i don't want to get them mad but on the other hand that's that's exactly why you can you know when you see something scary go you know you know run behind daddy's leg and you know and say like help you know um or or just in everyday life like whether it's like you know like our, our cars or a boat or a plane or something you know these are things that we that we're scared of when they are approaching us, <laughs> but uh, it's because of their power that we can trust them to, uh, you know, be be driving us down the highway at eighty miles an hour or be carrying us across the sky. So, yeah, I mean that that's really a, a good. Uh, I like that observation about the different senses of of fear here. Well, you know, I I, I remember one time uh, having a student in one of my uh, instruction classes. Um, you know, whenever we got to the explanation of the first commandment, you know, 
uh, you shall know other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And I, I'll never forget. I mean, she immediately says, "Well, I'm not afraid of God." You know, <laughs> like, well, we, people do not. I'm like, well, yes, and well, uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the answer is both. But I, but I told her. I, I said, "Well, um, maybe I want to stand over here on the other side of the room if you ever say that again." <laughs> you know, there, there, there needs to be this, this awe-type fear that we have of God. Um, she sees a God that's so loving, so merciful, so kind, uh, she has no need to fear. I mean, that was her explanation to to that statement right. that she made. And I thought, you know, that's incredible that the gospel has that much power over our lives that we get to that point of comfort that I wonder that if people are truly understanding still uh, what the law is really about in their lives as it is it truly as impacting as it as it was uh, before they knew the gospel you know is it still convicting as as it should um in in how it was first presented without any gospel you know so it's it's just interesting because I, i i get what she was asking or saying but at the same time uh i think we lose sight of what that word actually does mean that there is a fear that we have of God, and that fear also includes His wrath for our sin. You know, so right. Yeah, no, that, that, that that's well said. That there's, I mean, there, there's the it's kind of this both and like yes and no kind of two senses thing, right? And it's uh, it, it can sound paradoxical, but I mean, it's as paradoxical as, as a verse twenty four is. You know, which is, I mean, um, or rather not not verse twenty four, but um, where were we? It was uh, verse twenty. There's 20. Yeah, yeah, there you go, right. Which is literally, you know, don't fear so that the fear of him may be before you. <laughs> um, right. you know, which, 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 is, which is so interesting. But it's, it's interesting because, uh, too, of, like, the, the actions in, in this context, right? Because, like, the people, it, it seems like, are, I mean, as so we remember, the, the, the trumpets sounded, right? And they came near the mountain. Um, they did not go up onto the mountain. The only people who are up on the mountain at this point are Moses and Aaron. Okay, so we, we saw that back in chapter 19, verse 24, and the Lord said to him, go down and come up bringing Aaron with you. Okay, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord. So so there's there's Moses and Aaron here, uh, while, while God is speaking this, it seems, um, who are on the mountain. The people are down there at the the base of the mountain, and the thing is, they are so scared just of the trumpet and the thunder and the flashes and the lightning that, I mean, they're 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 thinking to themselves, "How about we just run away now?" <laughs> uh, but but when Moses says, "Don't don't be afraid," right? He has come to test you. Um, he, he's kind of saying, "Hey guys, it, it's okay. Don't be overwhelmed with the fear." Right. Don't be overwhelmed by it, but but hang with it because a little bit of fear is actually good for you. Right. I mean, I mean, I'm kind of paraphrasing there, but 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 so then when the people then it says there, the people stood far off. I mean, I I almost feel like that translation kind of invites uh, a negative interpretation. I I don't think that's like saying like, oh, but the people like just ran away anyway. Um, In in fact, the word can be translated as the people took their stand um, or they stood firm. So I, I think the idea is that they they kind of they're inspired by by these words of Moses and the words of God. Uh, they're inspired to faith to maintain and hold their ground 
you know, even though it's further away than Moses and Aaron, um, they're they're going to they're going to hold their ground and they're, and they're not going to run away with their with their tails between their legs. Um, so, so I, I think actually that the text is trying to give them a I mean, at least that much credit. And we're, of course, going to see where things go, uh, go bad. But so I think at that point, the picture is that, you know, there's the people at the base of the mountain. Uh, Aaron's up there on the mountain with Moses. But then it says in verse 21 that Moses himself, Moses alone, is then going to go uh, back up to the summit where that thick darkness is, and only Moses is going to be right up there when God starts speaking next. Right, right. And it's always interesting that, you know, you, you look at that verse and you go, when you think of God, you think of light, you know. And so the people, oh, from yeah. their perspective, see him going into darkness. But then when he's in the presence of God, it's 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 bright, you know, it's light. And so... Um, I mean, he even comes back uh, radiant, and and we see that. I'm not sure where that lies in, uh, in 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 relationship to the history here at this point. But, right. Um, it's, it's just interesting that that we're told that he goes into darkness. That just seems it just seems so odd uh, to hear that kind of expression, unless it unless it also has something to do with this relationship and the wrath of God, you know, upon them. Uh, so going back again to that question of, you know, relationship, uh, wrath, grace, uh, we've got a question here or a comment uh, from one of our listeners here on the line. We've got uh, Cynthia Neff comment on uh, this kind of 10 commandments versus a 10 words idea. Uh, what what you thinking, Cynthia? Good morning. Good morning. Hi. I took a, a lay Bible institute at the St. Louis Seminary with oh, yeah. Dr. With Dr. Uh, Thomas Egger, and oh, so yeah. this was, and that's what he wrote his thesis on, and so to become a doctor, and so mm-hmm. um, it was a, it was very interesting. I he put it in perspective, just like you are, that I hadn't thought of it that way before, but a, a longer time ago, and that was that was sort of recently, maybe last year, but a long, long time ago, my husband and I came out of the Word Faith Charismatic movement, and mm-hmm. at, and we came into the Lutheran Church, and um, I was at a church where Dr. Andrew Bartelt was um, oh, wow. teaching a Bible class, okay? And I just boldly, like, like stupid boldly, went up to him and said, I don't understand the Ten Commandments. And he said, well, he said, look at it this way. He said, I can't, I can't keep them, and I'm really worried about it. And he said, look at it this way. Jesus kept them for you, and now look what you get to do. You get to love God with all your heart. You get to not steal. You get to not commit adultery. It was like he spun my head, just (laughs) gave it a big spin. (laughs) And I thought about that for a very, very long time. So if we don't have really good pastors, like we have a whole lot of them, we have a whole lot of them, um, they, and they can they can straighten you out, and I, I was I'm grateful. I'm very very grateful uh, for all the teaching you've had. Th- th- thank you for sharing that, Cynthia. And uh, yeah, I mean I'm, I was just chuckling the whole while because uh, you know pr- uh, Professor Egger, Doctor Doctor Egger now, and uh, Doctor Bartelt uh, both 
professors of mine back at the seminary. Um, yeah, I've gotten to work with Dr. Bartel a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, th that, that's just really well said. And I think that this idea, uh, what, what you were just saying, of kind of straightening the people out, uh, that really kind of speaks then to what we're getting at, we're gonna get later in, in chapter 34 when he comes down the mountain. Uh, because, you know, so then, you know, Moses went near, he comes down the mountain. But what happens? Uh, well, you know, remember, Aaron didn't go up to the top of the mountain with Moses. Aaron was down there at that lower level. And apparently, it says in 34, um, Aaron went ahead and went back down and made that golden calf image, which is really interesting because, you know, when you look at just the words here, um, you know, by themselves, that is one of the, the weird uh, ambiguities, I, I think, that you can kind of read this as, well, you know, don't have any other gods before me, you know, don't go and make, you know, idols of them. And so you could see how Aaron might think to himself, oh, well, it's okay, we can make an idol of Yahweh, though. He was just talking about idols of other gods, right? But just like you were saying, you know, we get the wrong idea too often from these Ten Commandments, and Moses has to go down there um, and straighten out their heads and say, no, 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 you'll make an image of anything, which I think is exactly then why you get the stuff about the laws about altars, because he's sure. saying, hey, look, don't, don't, even, don't even put a tool on this altar, because guess what? The second you start carving stuff into it, you're going to be tempted to think it and treat it like an idol, like it's some kind of like, you know, carved or, or, or chiseled image. So, uh, yeah, like the law has to be in the context of relationship, a relationship of teachers, relationship of faith with God, or else we just we just do the wrong thing with it all the time. Right. You know, I, you know, I think I think this is a good way to close out today, too, is uh, I'd like to respond a little bit more to what Cynthia was saying, sure. because uh, this really came to light for me, too. Um, I came to light to me as far as my relationship to the law of God, always, you know, always looking at it like, hey, I can't keep these. You know, I, I keep trying and trying and trying. I keep falling way short uh, of, of keeping God's law. But, you know, uh, for uh, Dr. Bartel to actually talk to her and tell her that, you know, you look at it as not obligation, but as an opportunity now, as, as, as something that we do out of joy, that we want to be obedient because of what Christ has done to fulfill it. I mean, in Matthew chapter 5, you know, Jesus had spoke those, uh, those infamous words, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but I've come to fulfill them. And um, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it is accomplished. And that's what he's telling her, you know, that this, uh, this law, all of this law is accomplished by Christ on our behalf. And so she was going. You, you don't look at it as that that I have to to uh, right. Follow but, the but that you get now that you, you get, now to, you get to right. So it, it, yeah, or yeah, or even me. or even yeah, in the sense of you 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 will uh, when when you're in right. Christ. So uh, right. thank you so much, brother man. You know, just I uh, like like you were saying. Just there's so many things to talk about, but I'm glad we could kind of like look at that big picture. Thank you so much. Looking forward to having you on again real soon. It's always a joy, and thank you. Thank you, brother. God's blessings. Everybody, that was Pastor Curtis Dieterding at Zion in Fort Myers, Florida. Moving on to Chapter 21. Till then, I'm Pastor A.G. Espinosa. Peace. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.